our Abba Father, I know you love us and I know you care about us. And I, I know, Lord, that, that the questions we're about to dig into were from people who want to know things from you. And uh, Lord, some are fun, some are serious, some are things we need to know because of the times we live in, but you're a God of truth and you guide us in truth. And uh, I pray that we would uh, have some people out there who would just go, wow, this deepened my faith. I pray we'd have others out there that would say, wow, this, this caused me to realize how much God loves me and how God does have a life for me. Uh, I pray this might be something that would fuel us in such a way that we would also understand our purpose in such a time as this. So we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So let me tell you how we're going to get the most out of this time together, because it's called Q&A in the month of May, where I want to take as many of your questions as I can. But you will get more out of this if you follow along in the Bible with me. So you need a Bible in one way or another. It could be on your computer. It could be on your iPad. It could be on your, your phone. Uh, by the way, there's a great, great Bible app called Version that's free. You could probably download it in enough time to be able to get to the verses with us. But I promise you, it will be far more meaningful if you actually take the time uh, to get a Bible open in one way or another. And then I'm going to tell you what passage we're going to. And by the way, some of the questions might make me think, I'm not sure what passage yet. And we might have to hunt for them and maybe even together. But here's the thing. When we get there, let's read it together. Because what we're more interested in than anything is God's word. We want God's word. And then I want to tell you something else about that. Uh, we need to take God's word in context. And so that's what I'm going to seek to have you do with me. Uh, because the Bible is one voice from God. It was written by 40 different authors over 1,600 years of time on three different continents uh, from a variety of, pro of professions. But God inspired and moved each one of them to write what they wrote so we would get his message. That's why the Bible is one fluid message from God to us, and that in and of itself is miraculous. Then you take the fact that the Bible is historically correct, archaeologically correct, uh, scientifically correct, and prophetically correct. That even makes it more than ever, not just a book, but God's message to us. And the, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's alive, piercing to the division of the bones and the marrow. In other words, it will go to the deepest intents of our heart, opening us up to God and what he has for us. So again, it will be so meaningful if some way, somehow, you don't just listen to me. I want you to read God's word with me. And, and let's look at what God has to say to some of the questions we're being asked. And so now we're going to get ready to dive into those questions. Uh, so the first one comes from my assistant, Tracy, and she asked this. She said, how will I finally meet the guy I'm going to marry? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, in the chat. Come on. That's funny. That's funny. I get the mic. I can do what I want. That's funny. Got it right in the chat. Uh, that just is uh, uh, not what she wrote at all. So, okay. Um, but you know what I want to look at now? Uh, it's from Noelle's daughter, Lux. And so Lux, man, I am so glad you're on and, and glad you're asking and glad you're a part of the Crossroads family. And uh, it says she asked this, why did God put the tree of knowledge of good and evil if he didn't want them to eat from it. So he's talking about, she's talking about Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve were put in a garden together. Uh, they were put there to experience God's perfection, God's love. God would come and meet with them and walk with them and share with them. They had a perfect relationship together and a perfect relationship with God and a perfect relationship with the creation. Uh, which I think is super cool to know that one day, by the way, that will come back in what's called the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. The creation will be restored uh, to a relationship with us and to God and us to God and to each other as long as we walk with God and cling with God. So why? Why did a God who knows everything actually give Adam and Eve a choice that could mean they would lose all that? Why would he do that? And uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of philosophy, then I'm going to give you a lot more scripture. So I want you to, um, um, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. That might be a, an interesting place to go to, uh, because uh, uh, that is at the very end of the culmination of the, what's called the law, the Torah, the law. So it begins with Genesis and goes to Deuteronomy. And we get a summation there of what God is saying 
after all the years of history, after all the things they go through. But let me start out with what I believe is the answer. Then I want to show you what scripture says. God put the tree there so Adam and Eve can know love. To know love, we have to choose. Without freedom of choice, there is no love. In and of itself, love requires the ability to choose. So God gave them a gift in that moment. When he put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden, he gave them free will. They didn't have to love him. They weren't trapped in that place. They weren't made to stay there. They were free to choose, free to choose to be with God, to be in that, that, that setting, to be in the midst of what was called Eden, which means pleasure. The Garden of Eden was a place of pleasure, or they could choose to go out on their own. And so here's what we know is that God values love, but for love to happen, you have to have freedom freedom to choose. And so when he gave them free choice, it was a gift from God knowing that some would choose yes, some would choose no. Throughout the Bible, we see that's still the case. We can choose the good or we can choose the bad. We can choose life with God or we can choose to go out on our own, which will never be as good as living with God. And that's why you might be a little surprised. I'm going to bring you to Deuteronomy 30, which is the summation of the law and the first five books of Moses, and shows how at the beginning he gave them choice. At the very end, he calls for all of us to choose. Then I'm going to take you to the book of Revelation, uh, at the very end of the Bible, and show you again, God is calling out for us to choose. And by the way, if you're brand new to all this, God is not going to force himself on you. You could choose life, you can choose death. You can choose heaven, you can choose hell. You could choose to be a child of God, or you can choose the life apart from that. So in Deuteronomy 30, verse 15, 30, verse 15, hopefully you're there. Get down to Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, that I, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land in which you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but you are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land, in the promised land is what he's talking about. This also applied to what Adam and Eve, you won't prolong your days in the Garden of Eden if you don't obey is what he's saying. In the, land where you, in the land where you are crossing to the Jordan to enter and possess it. And then it says this, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse, and then the cry of God. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. And how do you choose life? By loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, even to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give it to them. So God gave Adam and Eve a choice. He said, but I want you to choose life. I want you to choose life, but you have a choice. You have a very real choice. Then later on, God brings all of the, uh, the history of the children of Israel about so they would be on the verge of entering their promised land where they could live and they could flourish and they could be blessed and not be cursed. And he says, but choose. You can choose today. But he said, I want you to choose life. Oh, I want you to choose life. By the way, let me just say this. That same choice is mine today. That same choice is yours today. It's my family's today. It's your family's today. It's my friends today. It's your friends today. You can choose. You can choose God. You can choose love. You can choose life. You can choose blessing. Or you could choose the curse. And notice even here he says you could choose adversity. He said, you want life and prosperity or death and adversity? And I, I want to tell you that even today, we're begging people because we love them. I, if I, I don't even want to take, let, mitigate that word. We beg people to choose God. At the end of our time together, I'm going to literally plead with you to choose life, to choose life. And I've watched so many people 
do that and watch their lives get better and marriages get happier and families grow in deeper love. I've watched people soar to heights they can't imagine. I've sat and had people thank me because I've been in ministry now for years and years and years and they get a hold of me and they say, you know what? I can't even imagine what it would have been like if I didn't make that choice when you shared with me and taught with me about that and and their, their lives were so good and their lives were so amazing. I remember a particular professor at a university not far from here, and, and uh, at the time I met him, he was a, uh, an agnostic. He, he believed there might be a God out there, but he wasn't sure, and the way I met him was through his daughter. I, I had led her to Christ, and he wasn't even happy about that. He felt it wasn't good, and we sat in different settings and different times, and um, I began to discover that not only was he deep down not happy, his marriage wasn't good. And he had an incredible wife, incredible potential for marriage, and, and an incredible family, but it wasn't working. And so I got to ask him, I said, really? You're going to hold on to what you believe even though it's not working? I mean, are you really happy? Are your kids happy with you? Are you the father you want to be, the, wife, the husband you want to be? Do, would you love to have... And you know what is he wrestled through it and we talked through evidence and we did all those things. But in the end, he had a choice. He could choose life and prosperity or death and adversity. You know what he chose? He chose life. He chose God. And through that, he and his wife, man, their marriage, you couldn't believe how in love they were. People would like look at him and say, I want a marriage like that. His kids, they were like, oh my gosh, you're the dad we always wanted. Get ready for this though. He became the dad he always wanted. And man, step by step, moment by moment, God began to bless. God began to cause them to embrace this blessing. Even at some tough times, they rallied together as a family. Uh, They became one of those families you and I would always want to be. And and you know what? He had to choose. His choice not only would affect him, it would affect his wife and his kids. Even though the, the others had chosen their own walk with God, they couldn't end up with having him and the family they wanted till he made that choice. And, and I want you to know God loved him so much. God was saying to him, I want you to choose life. By the way, turn to Revelation uh, chapter 22, Revelation 22. So as I showed you, the law sums up beginning with the fall, the beginning with choice in the fall, we call that, and ends up with, again, everybody having that same choice. But when you choose, you choose love. You choose life when you go with God. Then we go all the way through the Bible. And the whole journey through the Bible is people having a choice. We all being able to say yes to to God, no to God. Then eventually, yes to the Messiah, Jesus, or no to him. And, And Jesus said that you and I have a choice. Jesus even cried out and said this, why would you labor for that which is worthless? Jesus said, when you could come to me and have life. And so Jesus was offering that same choice because again, God gives you choice because that's a choice that gives you a free will, which gives you the freedom to love. And uh, by the way, before we read this verse, I think you would agree. You can't make somebody love you. Love in and of itself requires the choice. Uh, If I picked up a gun and held it to your head and said, you have to love me. No, you don't. Even then you don't have to. But, but God is a God who doesn't exert his power that way because he's a God of love. So in Revelation 22, the very end of, of all summation of scripture, it says this in Revelation 22, verse 17. Revelation 22, verse 17. It says the spirit and the spirit is the Holy Spirit and the bride and that's the church. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears come and let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the water of life come without cost. And you know what the Lord is saying to you and I come, come. And he says, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I draw people to me. Through the church, I call for the church to reach out to people for me. And on the end, that's what he wants. That's what he wants. And all throughout the Bible, the Lord said, is it's yours to take, yours to choose, yours to have. Adam and Eve had a choice. And uh, they chose wrong. 
People all throughout the Bible have a choice. People through all throughout her history have a choice. And, and I want to tell you right now, uh, this is the something later on I'm going to give you an opportunity to choose if you don't know him. But my hope is that you would sense the Holy Spirit calling you. You would sense him touching you. You would sense him reaching out to you. And so we want you to be able to experience that. So um, uh, that was a great question. Uh, Luxie, is that right? Uh, that you ask. I love that you're on. Love you're a part of the family. Hope that helps. Uh, and uh, now we'll go to question number two. Question number two is from Amanda on YouTube. Uh, by the way, uh, I got to hear a little bit of Amanda's story, so I want to share it with you guys uh, if I have it right. My wife Pam was telling me, Amanda uh, got an opportunity to move to Corona, California, and she took it because she wanted to come to Crossroads. So she was so excited to come to Crossroads. That's what I understand, Amanda. And <laughs> right when she gets here, uh, the coronavirus breaks out. And uh, she hasn't been able to attend all the, the church services on campus. But you are a part of our online family, and but which is, by the way, very, very real. Uh, the online family is very, very real. And so I love that you get to be a part of that. And so uh, Amanda asked this question. How will we know if the microchip that is being talked about and being implanted into everyone, ooh, is the mark of the beast? is the mark of the beast. How will we know if this microchip that's being talked about, and there is, by the way, if you haven't been following it, there's talk about a microchip being asserted again. For a while, it would be a microchip. Then they went to a biometric scan and now back to a chip, uh, and there's a lot of reasons for going back and forth. But how would we know if either one of those are the mark of the beast? And, and if so, what does that say to us as Christians? So I'm going to dig into that. Um, let's start. Let's start in, um, uh, you know where we're going to start? I want to start in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Again, this might be an interesting place for us to start. You'll get to understand why. Uh, I'm going to try to give you a very thorough answer. But I also want to say this uh, because I figured a revelation question would come up. Uh, Tracy, I thought that would happen, uh, which is, you know, I love teaching on the last days. Uh, I'm going to give you a good answer. But if you want to do an in-depth study in the book of Revelation, uh, you can go to Amazon.com and, and search Chuck Boer, and you can get a revelation journal. And uh, this will take you on an in-depth study. Look how in-depth that is, baby. Uh, on an in-depth study of the book of Revelation. And we now have back online on our CrossroadsChurch.com site all the Revelation sermons. And so you can go there, go to messages, more messages, then it will pop up and you can study in-depth the entire book of Revelation. So uh, go to Amazon.com if you want to do that. You could do it alone. You could do it as a couple. You could do it as a family. You could do it as friends, a life group, whatever you want to do. Uh, so anyway, um, that'll just give you something to do. But the main thing I want you in is, believe it or not, first, Second Thessalonians. Now, why? Because I want you to catch the order of this. So I'm going to take you to Second Thessalonians Matthew 24, then Revelation, and answer the question about the mark. So I want you to know a chronological order of what's coming in our days and time. Then I want to take you uh, to Revelation and show you how the mark fits in that, and if this chip or a biometric scan could be that mark. Um, for some of you, this is review. For a lot of you, this is new. And uh, for many of you, it's going to be really surprising uh, because I found a lot of people don't know what I'm about to share with them. Remember, we're reading scripture, though. It's not about my opinion. It's about what the Bible says. So I want you to follow along with me. So we're going to begin with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And here's what we're about to talk about. Paul's going to say, I want you to know what occurs before the rapture happens. I want you to know that two events will occur. Before the rapture happens. And, and what are those two events? So let me tell you before we read them. It's the apostasy, which is the, a great falling away in the church. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. Because a great persecution's coming, there will be a great falling away of the church. People walking away from the church and from Jesus. And there's the Antichrist, the one who brings that persecution. So the Bible teaches right here in 2 Thessalonians, prior to the rapture, there will be a, a, a persecution that brings about the apostasy and the revealing of the Antichrist who will bring about the persecution and the mark of the beast. So let's read what the Bible says. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no one in any way deceive you. Now, this is really important. 
He said, I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to know what's true. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come, the gathering together to be with Jesus, the rapture will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Uh, and as a matter of fact, what I want to do, uh, you guys are going to have to have some grace with me here, is I want to actually go a verse above that so you can see where uh, this is talking about the rapture. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. So I, go up to verse 1. I'm sorry I didn't start there. I hope I'm not confusing you. Go to verse 1. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. So he's talking about when Jesus ascends and we are caught up into heaven with him. So that's what he's talking about. He goes that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us as to the effect the day of the Lord has come. Now, verse three, let no one deceive you for it, our gathering together with Jesus will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. So there's going to be the apostasy and the man of lawlessness is the Antichrist. And so he'll be revealed. Will he be completely a power? I don't know. But he'll definitely be a something. We'll be able to know who he is. We'll be able to know who he is. So it says, don't let anybody deceive you. We won't be gathered with Jesus, gathered together with him, unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. And then Paul says, do you not remember that while I was still with you, I told you these things and you know now what restrains him so that his, he will, so that in his time he will be revealed. So something's restraining him. And I believe that it's, it's certain world events that had to happen that would catapult him into power. And so what Paul said is this, I want you to be aware that we will not see the antichrist rise. The one who brings the mark. That's why I'm going to this. The one who brings the mark unless until the apostasy happens based on persecution and number two, his revealing where he actually more than ever starts to take himself into his place of power. Now, Jesus gives that same timetable. In Matthew 24, which gives the signs of the coming of Christ, uh, Matthew 24 is one of those many places where we can go and see when Jesus is coming. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 9, uh, Jesus begins by saying this. He goes, then... You will, then they will deliver you, meaning Christians, to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. That's one of the signs of Jesus' coming. By the way, Revelation chapter 6 says the same thing. One of the signs of his coming prior to the rapture happening is there would be a time the whole world will turn on Christians. I believe, by the way, it's because we won't take the mark, uh, but we'll get to that. And then it says in verse 10, at that time, Jesus said, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. So Jesus said, there will become a persecution. And because of that persecution, a great falling away, the apostasy. So Jesus said, persecution, then apostasy. And then it says, but the one who endures to the end will be, or in verse 12, because lawlessness increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Therefore, Jesus says, when you, meaning Christians, see the abomination of desolation which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Let those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things that are in the housetop. Whoever is in the field must turn, uh, not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in winter on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation so has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now. And unless those days had been cut short, no life would be saved. But for the sake of the elect Christians, those days will be cut short. So the Lord is giving the same timeline, the same chronological order that Paul gives in Thessalonians. What are those things? That prior to the rapture, there'll be an apostasy and there'll be the revealing of the Antichrist. 
Now, he's the one who brings the mark of the beast. Jesus said there'll be a persecution, just like he does in the book of Revelation, great falling away, and then the revealing of the Antichrist in power. So that same order is given. So the reason I'm going into that is I want you to catch the chronology of what's happening. So are we watching ourselves be set up for that? I'm going to ask all of you right now to turn to Revelation chapter 13. Turn to Revelation chapter 13. Right now, um, I do believe we are seeing the world at the very least be more receptive to receiving what would be the mark of the beast. Why is that? Because there's an openness now that I cannot believe has happened. It's just, it's surreal. It's amazing to me, but I don't know if you're following how people are feeling. There's a willingness for people to be, uh, uh, to give up their rights and give up privacy so that we can have this thing called contact tracing happen. Uh, it, the idea behind contact tracing is if we can know anyone who has uh, uh, a disease, a contagious disease, we could trace all the places they go and every person they come into contact with. But the only way that would work is we have to have a way to trace our, our whereabouts. One option would be your cell phone. And so there are gonna there are apps in the midst of being developed right now that people would know everywhere you go, everybody you've been in contact with. That if they were ha- able to have a knowledge that you had a communicable disease, they would know everywhere you go and everybody you exposed. And, and this pandemic has freaked people out to a place where we know that, that if we could control that, we could watch that, we could actually open the economy sooner. Get ready for this. Notice how money becomes involved. That if this, this technology were in place, we'd be able to open the economy sooner. Now, we also know that as bad as the coronavirus is, that the Bible teaches, the World Health Organization actually says, the Center for Disease Control says that a worse global pandemic is coming. So now we have a disease that's deadly, that is heartbreakingly deadly, with around a 4% case fatality rate. What if the next one has a 25% case fatality rate? Or a 50% case fatality rate? And What if in that moment we realize we have to shut down the world economy again? What if there was a way that we wouldn't have to do that based on the fact that all of us had uh, something in our skin, an implant in our right hand or a biometric scan or something uh, implanted in our forehead or a biometric scan in our eye where that if you were medically tested to know you had the virus, we could know whether you were self-quarantined. We could know if you didn't do that, you wouldn't expose to others. We would know if you were symptomatic or asymptomatic. Then we would be able to open the economy sooner and maybe never close it. And what if that very same technology was the way that you could buy or sell so that if they wanted to keep you in quarantine, they could actually turn it off. So now you can't go out to buy or sell because they're able to control all your access to economic resources based on that. They could protect this planet, not just this nation, this planet from a spread of a deadly disease. And and I want to tell you, I believe today you're watching the world positioned to a place where we would all want to take it. Uh, The advantages are incredible. Your children would be protected. You would be protected. Uh, By the way, you could be quickly uh, uh, brought to a place if you were exposed that they could probably fend off the disease from doing it to you. And so I believe we're watching a world get set up for this. Now, by the way, prior to all of this, there's already been a movement to go cashless. There's already been a movement to to go to something that would be biometric or implanted so that uh, we would be able to uh, stop identity theft because nobody could steal your identity, Uh, to stop computer fraud, to stop uh, a lot of the methods of stealing that are going on today. And uh, there's been a movement towards it, and I believe it's all merging together. Now, I don't know if you do. You can put in the chat you agree or disagree. Some of you can go, Chuck, I don't agree at all. And that's your right. Some of you need to put in the chat, I do agree. 
But whether you agree or not, the Bible says a day is coming that something will be put in your right hand or in your forehead or in the midst of your eye that you cannot buy or sell without. So now let's go to Revelation 13 and look at what that says about that last day's mark, that the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, will, will actually seek to institute. And I believe at first, by the way, my opinion, total opinion, it will be voluntary, but that will be the icing on the cake for all of us Christians to know who he is. And uh, look what it says in Revelation 13, starting in verse 15. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast. The, the him is the false prophet, a false religious leader who will back the Antichrist and tell everybody to follow him. Remember in Matthew 24, Jesus said, in the midst of that persecution, there will be a false prophet who will deceive many. And it says this, so that the, the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. That's the persecution starts happening. Verse 16, so he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it's the number of a man and his number is 666. The Antichrist number is 666. And it says that you and I will be given a mark of our own. It doesn't have to be 666. But it says that in those days, a persecution will happen to anybody who will not take it. Anyone who will not follow the Antichrist. And so it's very, very clear to me that this technology that we see coming is setting up the opportunity for this to be put in place. And he provides that no one is able to buy or sell. Now, what's so interesting now is as the technology is improved, I don't know if you caught what I said, if they were to able to make this either a chip in your hand or a biometric scan of your fingerprint or a chip in your forehead or a biometric scan of your eye. By the way, why am I saying that? Because if you look in verse 16, the word forehead is a Greek word, meta opon. Meta means in the midst of, opon means the eye. So it could be a chip. A chip's a very real possibility. Now, I didn't think it was going to be, but it's now risen back up and to be in place. Or uh, it could be a biometric scan of either one or both, I guess. But not only could they trace you, they could shut off your finances. So if you're under quarantine and you leave your house, they'll know you left your house, they'll know your whereabouts, but they could shut it off so you can't buy or sell. So now there's no reason to leave your house. And, and, and this would be something that people would have to be willing to choose to accept. But as a Christian, we're never going to accept it. And there's enough Christians in the world to mess up the system. And if all the Christians say, no, we're not going to accept it because the Bible says not to, and Jesus says not to, let me ask you a question, all of you who are listening. Do you think your non-Christian friends would go, well, that makes sense? Or would they say, you Christians are messing this up for us? And there'd be a backlash and a greater persecution. By the way, one of the things I really want you to know, whether you agree with me or not, listen, because I never want you to forget this. Anybody who takes the mark, that's it. That's the point of no return. From that point on, they can't go to heaven. Revelation 14 is where I want you to go to. Just go one chapter over, Revelation 14. And I want you to notice that Christians are mentioned being here during this time of giving out the mark. And it says in verse 9, 14, 9, be there. Then another angel, a third one, followed them saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of his holy angels in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment. Those who take the mark, if they worship the Antichrist or they take the mark, the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast in his image and those who receive the mark of his name and listen to what it says next. Please listen to this. Here is perseverance of the saints. 
Now, why does it say that? Because we're going to be here for it. We'll be here for at least the time it's voluntary. We may, and more likely than not, we'll be here for the time it's mandatory. So that's why this warning is given to Christians. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God in the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Lord, so they may rest from their labors and their deeds follow them. Now, there's going to be a worldwide persecution. The Bible's clear about that. That means Christians will be here for it. Uh, there is going to be a time that the mark is given out and Christians are warned not to take it. Uh, Jesus said, I will cut days those, those days short and rapture you into heaven or else you wouldn't be able to survive. So are difficult times coming for Christians? Yes. And then there's one other thing you have to know. You've got to know. And that is the mark is going to come with deception. I want you to know not to take it. And I want you to know people will be deceived into taking it. Uh, and in Revelation chapter 19 is where I want you to go to. So I'm going to give you a second to get there. But I want to not have you miss this. Even if you go, Chuck, I don't agree with you. I think we'll be raptured ahead of time. Still, I want to etch this in your mind because I don't believe it, we will. And if, if you're right and I'm wrong, okay. But I want you if, you, if this starts to happen, I want you to be aware. I don't want you to take it because God's warned us not to. Just like, now remember where he started, God warned Adam and Eve not to take from the tree of life in the midst, or the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden. Didn't God warn them about that? He said, don't take from it because in the day you eat of it, you'll die. And then Satan came and deceived them into taking it. They were deceived by the devil into doing something God had warned them not to do. And in the last days, we will see a demonic, diabolical deception that many people are going to give into. It's heartbreaking to me. I have taught this for years, just like I've taught for years these kind of things that we see happening are happening. So I want to warn you. Revelation 19, Revelation 19, verse 20. And the beast, who's the Antichrist, was seized, and with him the false prophet, who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived. Look at that word. By which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who had worshipped his image, these two were thrown alive in the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. He deceived those who had received the mark of the beast. He deceived those. A lot of people go, no, 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 that can't be. People can't be deceived into going into hell. Well, yes, that's, they ha that's what happens all the time. Adam and Eve were deceived into eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and, were, and lost their place in the Garden of Eden. Um, the Antichrist is going to come a great deception. The world is going to think he's the greatest leader ever. They're going to be cheering him on. You know, it's interesting in the midst of all the turmoil we're seeing right now, there's a cry more in Europe for a, a, a real world leader, a leader who can solidify Europe and, and rescue them from their crisis. And will the next guy be the guy? It could be. It could be. I know this. The Bible's given us enough signs to be able to spot the Antichrist and we'll be able to know who he is. I also know this too. The Bible could not be clear. When you see a time coming where something is put in your right hand or your forehead and you can't buy or sell without it, it accesses your economic resources. You've got to say no. You've got to say no. Even when it's voluntary, you've got to say no. And, and you've got to cling to a God who loves you. The God who says, I want you to choose life, not death. The God who says, I want to give you an incredible life, a blessing, not curse. A God who says, I love you so much, I sent my only begotten son, Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life to the Father and to heaven because he died for our sins. And, and by the way, if you're brand new to all this, the God who told you things that you're seeing happening would happen thousands of years before they occurred. How do you explain that, by the way? When we say that the Bible is proven to be the Word of God historically, scientifically, archaeologically, prophetically, there's no explanation that we know the things we know and see the things we see coming. 
Uh, there are thousands of prophecies in the Bible that have already been fulfilled exactly as they said they would be. There's hundreds more to take place, but they all will be fulfilled exactly the way God said they would be. And what I want you to know is just as those prophecies are true, the promises are true. And so what I'm trying to say to you is this. God is saying today to you, God is saying to me, come. He says, the spirit says, come. The bride says, come. The church is the bride that says, come. Come drink of the waters of life. Come and live in my love. Come and experience blessing, not curse. Life and not death. Prosperity and not poverty. And by the way, I'm not just talking money at all. I'm actually not even talking money at all. I'm talking a prosperity in relationships, a prosperity in energy, a prosperity in purpose, not a poverty, impoverished life of meaninglessness and a lack of joy and, and, and not living in courage. And so what I want to say to you, God wants that for every one of you. And so our time has gone really fast, but I promised earlier, and I'm going to do it now. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to lead a prayer. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Interestingly, Jesus in Revelation 3 said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open up to me, I would come in to be with him and share life with him. He talks about having the evening meal. We would have like a dinner together where we would share life together and love together. And, and you and I could choose that. It's your choice to open up. It's your choice to say yes. And all you need to do is begin by praying a very sincere prayer. It, it, again, it's free to you. Jesus did everything. He paid the price. He paved the way. He wants it for you. And oh my he has a plan for your life and he has love for you like you can't imagine. And so I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me. I'm going to ask all the believers out there, would you right now start praying for people to say yes, say yes to Jesus. Then I'm going to ask you to do this. If you'll pray this prayer with me, I'm going to ask you to open up your phone and go to the message section of your phone and go right in that message section. And then I in there, I want you to text amen to 69922. I want you to text AMEN to 69922. So the AMEN is the message. 69922 is where you text it to. And I want you to text AMEN. AMEN. Did you know what that means? It means the truth. It means for real. It means I mean it. It means sincerely. It means I'm going to really pray this prayer. I'm going to mean this prayer. And so I'm going to ask you to pray it with me right now. You could pray it for the very first time to say, yes, I want to give my life to Christ. Remember, it's your choice. God says, come and choose life. And that's the message all throughout the Bible. It's the message of the Holy Spirit to you today. And you may sense it right now. Something saying, this is your moment. Say yes to him. Maybe for the first time, maybe to recommit. This could be a time where you say, you know what? I need to come back to God. I, I need to be his. I, I need to, to know his love. Jesus actually called out uh, to that very church saying, come and live in my love. You guys were Christians and now you started getting far away. Come back and be mine. It's a, it's for, some of you are children of God that need to come home. Pray this prayer and come home. Say yes to God and find life. Find life. Some of you need to pray it as a married couple. Man, your marriage needs God. Just like I talked about my friend who was a college professor. When he prayed that prayer, it changed everything. His wife was crying her eyes out and she got the husband she always wanted and he became the husband he wanted to be with the marriage he wanted to be. And by the way, all these years later, he's one who thanks again. He's thanking me and thanking God over and over for the life he's living. Do it, do it. You could pray it as a couple. You could pray it as friends, but I want you to pray it with me. So right now, I'm hoping that many of you are texting in amen to 69922. And we're going to get to pray this prayer together right now. Before I lead it, though, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to get to ask Christians to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for anyone right now who needs to give their life to you and find your love. They get to choose joy, choose life, choose prosperity with you. I pray they're going to do it. And I pray right now for all those who started texting and saying, yes, this is their moment. I pray for those who need to text and say, yes, this is their moment. I pray for couples to do it. I think, Lord, right now there's a couple. And uh, I think they had an argument today. And they almost didn't get online together. As a matter of fact, they, they, I really believe it. God, they almost didn't get online together. They were going to be in separate rooms. 
One almost thought I'm forgetting anyway. They need to grab hands right now and pray this prayer. It could be so meaningful. Their kids need this from them. They need it for each other. I pray for a person right now, Lord, who's been wondering if this is all true and just happened to be on. And, and a lot of this seems just like out of nowhere, but yet he deep down knows he can see all this is happening. And, and I pray he's going to pray it. I pray for another guy who's a college age guy who actually has had Christians share with him. And he's been wondering, is this what they've been talking about? Because it seems like it is. And now he's getting confirmation from you. I pray he's going to pray this prayer. So I pray right now for people to say yes. Right now, I'm going to lead this prayer and I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything that's holding me down or holding me back. But I pray most of all, you'll make me alive, you'll make me yours, and you'll make me new. So I say yes to you. Just say those words. I say yes. I say yes. I say yes to you, and I say yes to the life you have for me. Take me now, Lord, and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, that is so exciting. And praise God that we uh, got this time together. And if you are ready, jump into first step with me. And I'm going to share some of my story with you and talk about how we can really be family together. But Nicole has some closing comments right now. Congratulations to all of you who have made a decision to follow Jesus. I want to invite you to gather your family and friends to be a part of our extended family by joining us right here online again next week. We're live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss out on a new message. If you found yourself thinking, I wish so-and-so had watched this, this message was for them, then hit the share button and send it to them so they can be encouraged. And finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads, and if you want to be a part of making an impact all over the world, you can text GIVING to 69922 to make a financial gift today. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you again next week.